Ooh, perfect timing. <sighs> Sounds like the 70s in here. Yeah, it smells like it too. Mm. It's yeah. a cloudy bastard in this, in this studio right now. Anytime dude. I sit here, I think it reminds me of how hard it is to pick up that 710 split. You know, <laughs> you just got to have a half pack of Paul Malls in your pocket, maybe a warm, you know, old style, and you got to have a good hook. Yeah. Some sensible shoes. <laughs> Abs not required. You don't get to Prince Albert Hall by not bowling a 300. That's all I'm saying. No, if you want to pay your dues, look at the champions. Follow, <laughs> follow the playbook, you know? Follow That's the it. playbook. That's it. I'm done. Uh, that's the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And we appreciate everything you've done for us and continuing to support us. Hello. Welcome to the Fundamentals of Nonsense. So we, uh, we like to try and make a living in conversation, for sure. One thing that I absolutely adore is just a ridiculous story. Historically, human beings are, on average, mostly stupid. And it just seems like I'm never... I'm never disappointed in just bizarre historical stupidity. It's got to be one of my favorite concepts to ever exist. Bizarre journalism itself mm -hmm. is something that is just absolutely fascinating to me. The idea of reporting to people just the stupidity of the world over the history <laughs> of human existence is just, you, there's a beauty in it. Well, for sure. But do you think we're going harder now? I know we're in a, access to information is different now. Um, and we circulate it, so every every story gets magnified. But do you think we go harder in the paint now than they used to? Because there were some dummies back in the olden days too. And they were you. magnificent. <laughs> the difference is, is it's really easy to find stupid people now because they're everywhere. Yeah, uh, they have social media. They have <laughs> they have Facebook. I just, they I have just wake up and brush my teeth. I'm like, oh, there he is. Yeah, there we go. I don't have to look very hard. No, <laughs> I don't need pants for this exploration. Yeah, I know where he's at. I, I want to stress that I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't fabricate any of this information or write any of these stories. They exist already. I just find them hilarious. Sure. And the fact that I am built with my humor bone <laughs> always at the front of of everything that I experience. I, I find hilarity in things that I never should. <laughs> it's it's That's a good laugh though. The easy ones, you know. Yeah. They're low. I love being in a room of people and, and something is really tense and I find something very hysterical yeah. in the moment and I'm yeah. I'm you trying gotta, gotta really hard to keep the brass ring, right? It's hard. I love hard. the idea of keeping your lid on oh, when, in, an, in a moment where it's inappropriate. Yeah. Those are the only ones that matter though because the other ones don't come with like a consequence, you know, the low, you know, they're lobbing it up. Yeah. Political stuff or whatever, you know, whatever the case is or any direction you want to go, but... Ones where you just know I can't. I can't. I'm yeah, white knuckling. Shit, this is funny. Yeah. Yep, it's coming. It's coming. It's the best. And it's I, I, it's changing the trajectory of our family members, our relationships. But it's yeah. coming. I can't stop. Yeah, I, I, I love those too. Like uh, tense family dinners yeah. or tense like friendship mm -hmm. conversations. Uh, and yeah. when people get so gassed up about shit, and you're just uh -huh. like, I, I got a joke. Just geared up, dude. Just mm -hmm. waiting for the moment. It never lands. No. It never yeah. lands in a tense situation, well, but there's a, there's a little bit of self gratitude. Kind of, yeah, there is. It <laughs> it, does you executed a little, it. You know, listen. Somebody can be right at the onset of a cardiac event, and if you sandbag that time, and there was a gem out there, if you left it out, if you left something on the field, you'll never forgive yourself. Regrets the worst. Yeah, come on, catch your breath. Yeah, God, and that guy's not easy. Yeah, he's <laughs> you know whoever it is is going to grab that left arm and. Grimace and 
Thank you. <laughs> They're going to appreciate it if they truly did win this. If not, well, let me be the first to say farewell. <laughs> <laughs> Cancel me now. Yeah. No, my, I couldn't help it. It's out of my hands. Pray for me. I'm not strong enough on my own. My favorite tense moment to be involved in yeah. is when somebody's correcting somebody else for doing something super stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And you're like... You get to listening. Yeah, you get to witness somebody correcting something stupid. <laughs> you get to internally quarterback like, both parties. The best part too is if you don't know the context no. of what's happening. No, and then, I don't know the context. I don't. I never I want to know the context. frame of reference. I don't want to know if you got a great story. Facts. If you got a great story, dude, I don't need context. Just no, tell me. You know what I mean? I want to throw me in and let's see. We we experience a lot of this in our field of work. So <laughs> <laughs> it's to me, that's one of the most hilarious concepts of what we do for a living is that we get to experience a lot of that stupid, crazy, asinine, off the wall conversations that yeah, you got to back people up too. <laughs> you got to be like, yeah, impressive. don't. You, you wonder when you, when pull, you get like, to yeah. pull your pants all the way up before you come out of the bathroom, everybody mm -hmm. can see you. You don't have to drop them to your ankles at the urinal. <laughs> you can. Um, it's not conventional. He lives freer than we do, I bet. Yeah, I bet you. So I'd there's, <laughs> so there's <laughs> we, Day we, to day, he wakes <laughs> up so much happier than I do. Oh my God, dude. We, we talk a lot about how people who are, are creative and you know, sustain themselves in comedy and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. There's always like a, an intelligent level that creates like a, the self-deprecating humor yeah. where all that starts. There's a, a whole other side of that spectrum is blissfully ignorant. Oh, I'm <laughs> well on my way. <laughs> blissfully <laughs> ignorant sounds fantastic. Oh, man. It really does. It sounds it does. great. No, it's amazing. Every time I think about blissfully ignorant, I'm like, that must be so fucking nice. You know what I mean? Like, oh, sure. To not be like weighed down by how smart you're going to sound or, or how oh. effective you're going to be or yeah, anything like this that. This isn't like, like a, some kind of display or presentation of my like proficiency to communicate. I just am going to deliver the message that my heart wants to sing. Yeah, and it does so not have any amazing. It's yeah, amazing. wisdom in it. It's still coming as hard as I can. Yeah, no breaks. People only function in the moment. That's such a no, fantastic ideology. And if you ever have to do that more than once, Either you get lucky and it works out and you're a hero or you get multiple opportunities and you're like, oh, so <laughs> most of the time it ends poorly and I better find a humor in it or you don't go again or, or hang them up. Hang up the skates, Wayne. I enjoy the simpler things, sir. Smartest guys I ever met were miserable. What a wonderful world we live in. Hmm. What do we have today, sir? So I found a few. I dove through Reddit today. There's so much shit on Reddit. One of the funniest stories I've read in a long time is this fucking emu war story. So I know it's not a super credible source, but I pulled this paper off of Wikipedia. I didn't look too much further into this because this one Just paper fine. was enough. Yeah. <laughs> it says the emu war, also known as the Great Emu War, yeah, well, which, why would you, why would you Well, there was some, some an adjective there was minor that. skirmishes before that, and the old, you know, there's always an old man telling the young man he's weak and his work ethics poor, or work ethics poor. You know he's a hump over bum. So you just had any more? I just you didn't have the great anymore. You and your generations. They call it a, a nuisance wildlife management military operation undertaken in Australia over the later part of 1932 to address public concern over the number of emus said to be destroying crops in the Campion district within the wheat belt of Western Australia. Well, tales old as time. After World War I, a lot of discharge vet veterans came back to Australia. The Australian government handed out a bunch of land 
and they wanted to start farming in Western Australia. They were encouraged to increase wheat crop. All of this got challenged. As many as 20,000 emus migrated down to this land. Okay. So they would migrate after breeding season. And then this land that they had cultivated proved mm-hmm. to be a better living condition for these emus. So they were like, yo, thanks for growing all this wheat. We're going so, to show up and eat So these guys are basically throwing up the food plots of wheat and everything else. And we have these 20,000. Yeah, as many. It says as many as 20,000 emus. Where did they come from? Tell me again. It says they regularly migrate after breeding season. I drove heading by. to the coast from the inland regions. With the Not- cleared land and additional water supplies being made available oh, for sure. livestock by the Western Australian farmers, the emus found that the cultivated lands were good habitat. They're decent, yeah. And they began to foray into farm territory. Well, and how big are these? I, I want to say they're like six They're like six tall, foot right? tall. Yeah. These are haters. Yeah, they're these big, are like baby dinosaurs. violent birds. They, they take to the farming land. They consume, spoil all the crops, break the fences down, let more animals in. Just make a mess for these people. So these, these farmers start talking about how worried they are about this, uh. this massive amount of <laughs> emus. There's a deputation of ex-soldiers, and they were sent to meet with the Minister of Defense. Whoa. You know, these, these soldier settlers that had already served in the war are like, hey, we can solve this problem with machine guns. I still got my finger on the trigger, son. <laughs> yeah, I'm only six months out. They literally were like, we can solve this problem mm-hmm. with machine guns. This was the Lewis gun. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh-uh. It's... it's uh, one of the first actual machine guns really? that was fabricated during World War I. It it's, was one of the groundbreaking technologies in machine guns. Yeah, I can spin around in a circle. Oh, sure. Looks like a potato cannon. What? So they're, they're like, hey, we know the... So these, these soldier settlers are like, check it out. Uh, we uh, shot a bunch of these guns. We can kill a bunch of these emus with these machine guns. They decide they're going to go ask this, this minister of defense for supplies to do this guns ammunition all this stuff and so they agree and they're like all right cool we'll we'll give you the the resources to do this you will then trade your agricultural supplies money and yeah. that'll be the payment for these oh i think they just rough. the government pretty much funded the operation mm-hmm. at the time so they're uh, like they're said, running uh, off beer money and ammo pretty much yeah, yeah. so they're like that explains, we will you know, fund again. we will give you like a military vehicle military uh-huh. weapons and ammunition they give this war on emus. So it's like three guys. We'll just, just go with that. It's three guys. They get two Lewis guns, 10,000 rounds. They, they go out and they sight like 50 emus at first. They're, they're too far away to hit them with these Lewis guns. They attempt to herd all these emus together and create an ambush. The birds like split up into small groups, run off in different directions. They prove to be very ineffective at the first chance of trying to take down these emus. One of them is that they get like a bunch of emus set up for an ambush. There's like a thousand of them that they're pinning down, start shooting, gun jams up, they only get 12. Crying out loud. And then they don't find any more birds the whole rest of the day. You could have <laughs> killed 12 with a rock and a sharp stick if you had that many. The emus develop a leader emu. This is the reports from the guys doing this. So a leader emu, yeah. six foot tall, big ass bird, but stand watch. Yoked up. Yeah. yeah, he'd stand just watch and he'd no, look for No him. sense of well, humor. Square big, jaw, combat boots on, yeah. hate in his eyes. This emu would stand yeah, guard right. and would call out to the other emus when soldiers was, when these guys would start showing up and it would split the herds up and all that stuff. The emus are tactically superior, obviously. They go as far as to mounting a machine gun on top of the, the uh, SUV that they're in oh. and the birds would outrun the SUV. You had to crank start it with a stick hanging out of the radiator back then. So, let's <laughs> yeah. get them. You're 
We're so, topped out. We're going 32. This bird runs 74. There's so much lack of education that went into this whole <laughs> this whole operation itself. I gotta tell you, that, I appreciate the salesmanship of the guys who peddled this to the yeah. government. Listen, we got two heaters, 10,000 rounds. We're gonna gather. We got a jeep. The, we're gonna gather these <laughs> fouls up. It's gonna be over. And crying out loud, KFC of Sydney was gonna be born. You know? <laughs> yeah. There's a quote here in this. It says, "The machine gunners' dreams of point-blank fire into serried masses of emus was soon dissipated. The emu command had evidently ordered guerrilla tactics, and its unwieldy army soon split up into innumerable small units that made use of military equipment." Uneconomic. A crestfallen field force therefore withdrew from the combat area after about a month. But I don't know that military strategy was their key. So that's definitely not the case. They were just mm -hmm. wild animals. They withdraw, and Major Meredith, who was, I believe, the guy who was in charge of this at the time, said if we had a military division with a bullet-carrying capacity of these birds, they would <laughs> face any army in the world. <laughs> they can face machine guns with the invulnerability of tanks. They are like the Zulus whom even dum-dum bullets could not stop. They just were incapable of killing a bunch of birds. Had it happened here the same way, we would have dumped billions into military spending to mobilize and weaponize emus. They would have tiny helmets. Yeah, just armor right. built from the yeah. company that built the mopeds in episode one. For sure. Just I can I can picture the you know pregame the night before to the head emu. What, what was his name? Gary. <laughs> Listen, boys, we got... Two big guns, a couple of dummies. One guy's, be careful. He's <laughs> adequate. He can be a danger. Uh, I don't see this as a major threat. These boys do not have what it takes. They're not, they're not in it for the long haul. I think we got them. So they, did, they came back out and did a second attempt mm -hmm. after they retracted the first time. They request military support again. Jeez. The Minister of Defense approves the resumption of military efforts and then goes up into Senate, defends it, explaining why the soldiers were necessary because it was a giant agricultural threat. So this is a, such a mass migration that, because I'm guessing that the guys are like the farmers there, these are pretty hard dudes. We, we kind of joked about it earlier, I don't know if it was offline or not, but, you know, most deadly animals on earth, they're all concentrated in the same continent. These guys aren't soft. So I thought, you know, you got uh, a squad of eight uh, sick birds roll up on me. Maybe I'm ready to go, but you know, 20,000. If 20, you have 000. to, yeah, if you have to deploy and activate the National Guard for the... Uh, Mass influx of flightless birds just ripping shit up, spinning back kicks, you know, <laughs> galore uh, in the outback. What do you do? They redeploy. They find a little degree of success over the first two days, kill approximately 40 emus. So the third day proved to be far less successful, and uh, they were killing about 100 emus per week. So they, they call Meredith back in, this guy that, again, asked for more resources to, to take care of this emu problem. Who, who's Meredith? He's, he's the guy that led this. Okay. With um, Meredith commanding soldiers Sergeant S. McMurray and Gunner J. Halloran, armed with two Lewis guns and 10,000 rounds of ammunition. That was the first attempt. Hmm. So they redeploy Meredith back out in the field. They just can't figure out how to kill these fucking emus. They can't do it. And these emus are outsmarting them. Fucking eating all the crop, these flipping them off as they're running away because their car's not fast enough to keep up. When they recall him, his report states they... <laughs> had killed 986 emus with 9,860 rounds of ammunition. 10% kill rate. He also claimed he, another 2,500 wounded birds would had eventually died as a result. No, some of them rolled an ankle. It keeps continuing. And the farmers are like, we need the military help. We need you guys to come in here and fix this problem. 
So they keep getting turned down because they failed miserably twice now. So the government's like, dude, we can't, we don't know. So they implement a bounty system. You go kill an emu, you bring it in. And more than 57,034 bounties were claimed over a six-month period in 1934. So word of the emu war had spread by 32, reaching the UK. Conservationists started protesting this shit. They're like... In 32? I feel like the conventional thought back then was, you know, wipe everything out. Yeah. If it walks or crawls, let's shoot it and eat it and uh, hope for the best after that. And so after all that, they, they like put up exclusion fencing and they did... It, it became a, a global conservationist deal. So the emu population was protected, farmers were protected, proper fencing was put up, all the shit. But there, it's a real story. Three guys with two machine guns and 10,000 bullets were wildly outmaneuvered by a flock of emus. Just spraying and praying into a crowd of 20,000 and probably largely exaggerated the numbers. They killed three birds. And like I said, one of them was hit by a car fleeing, one rolled an ankle, one had... Some conditions, you know. Yeah, a couple were picked off probably by the dangerous wildlife of Australia. So, two of the three had comorbidities. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? These guys just, they needed a fourth guy there that knew how to run the gun and shoot because they were just salesmen. Something. They needed a faster Jeep. Every argument they can. We need a faster Jeep. We don't got a faster Jeep. We could go more than 22 miles an hour. I bet you we'd have an increased probability of success. It, it makes Shut me so up curious. About the juiced up Jeep. It was the 20s and 30s. So no it makes human me... being is intended to go faster than 25. It'll just turn to jello. So they, they ended up making a musical well, about all this. As you would. In 2019. Sure. It took them a long time to get that musical together, <laughs> yeah, didn't it? It's an action comedy movie retelling, the, retelling of the events. God, what? that's hilarious. Yeah. Was there some maybe some fight scenes or... Uh, yeah, I want to. There's a part of me that has gotten to watch that. Yeah. So maybe this is probably what made the uh, those birds I was talking about the cassowary so hateful. They read this and they're like, "No, this is not going to happen." <laughs> yeah. But not in my house. I will kick a Florida man. Yeah, you're talking about the those birds fence. with the yeah. dinosaur legs. Right. It's scary. They like no sense of humor. They're like, "Listen, the emus took it easy on everybody. They were dealing with amateurs. It was bush league. They just not going to happen here. Yeah. <laughs> I will kill you where you stand." I run 700 miles an hour. I have dinosaur legs, and I hate you. Why? Because I just because I'm I woke up this morning. That's why. It's weird how much yeah. birds hate human beings. Yeah, they should. I don't like them either. Geese. Oh, don't get me started. It's, on geese, what a bro. weird, what a yeah. weird relationship we have with geese, right? We allow them to be such assholes to us, even yeah, though, well, even though internally, that long neck and that small head, they got good head movement. You know, they hiss. Oh yeah, they're. You ever heard one of those? Guys they got little teeth in there too. Do they really? Oh yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, for sure. Jesus, that's yeah, terrifying. terrifying, man. Haven't you seen uh, Puss in Boots? They have teeth. Oh, yeah, for <laughs> Puss sure. Puss in Boots <laughs> settles the argument. Yeah. I have to go to, like, well-respected, like, <laughs> sources. You know. Credit, yeah, DreamWorks. <laughs> so, sure. So, the one that does Holy shit, go- they do have teeth. Yeah, they have little oh, teeth. Oh, that's there. crazy. Right? It's not okay. They have, like... Yeah. They have, like, alien mouth. See? That doesn't look right, does it? That's not the... Its tongue has teeth. Yeah, god damn. See, I told you. Their tongues have teeth? I didn't even know they had teeth. Well, I didn't know their tongues had teeth. I guess I never really understood why people were so afraid to get bit by them. Now I do. That's horrifying. It is. And so... Holy To think that if I saw that, like, up close in my... Up in my beak, his beak in my beak, it would be fight or flight, man. Oh, my God. Hopefully, I'm the stronger monkey. I don't know. Looking at him, I don't know. What is that? You know, that's that's something else. That's too much, dude. Yeah, that's a chainsaw. I'm going to have nightmares. Yeah. No, they do. They chase around. They hiss. There's no way I'm going to let that thing bite me. Uh -uh. I'm going to punch it. 
I want I to hit to that thing so hard he don't did. get to that last C and Aflac. <gasps> yeah, just you know, just crack him. You're a jerk. You sound Jesus like a snake. Christ. Your neck's just, long. It's time. It's so weird yeah. how they wiggle their head to you. Yeah, too. right. It's like today's the day. It's just videos of like geese attacking people on their way into work, mm-hmm. like suit and tie, and like taking their briefcase. I'd lose it, man. I'd lose it. Smacking them in the face, biting them, hissing. Everybody says that, but you get caught flat-footed. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look like a fool in the video, but I promise you, I'm looking. For my head's on a swivel. Mm-hmm. And this left hand is cocked and firing. I may have cut off jeans and cowboy <laughs> boots on. I don't have to buy them, but maybe a, some kind of helmet. I don't know. I could take that one uh-huh. goose. Yeah, well, that's but there's like 15 of them behind him. Well, here's the thing, and that there's where the whole problem gets here. Do you have power the, by numbers? Do you have the time for a Hollywood monologue, or do you not? Because usually in real life, you're gonna have to save the speech. If you can get out of it by saying, "Listen, you might all get me," but you know. Go wide herp on him. You with me. Yeah, wide herp on him. Mm-hmm. Not you. He's bluffing. Nope, we ain't. You know, like if you got that one, he can kind of coach them down, de-escalate. You're good. If you don't have time, I start my speech and then 46 geese kick the shit out of me on a yeah. sidewalk. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Other, oh, God, like, you know, there's like 40 people just, at the yeah, park too. And it's day. just man weeping <laughs> and I'm running with tattered clothes, you know, among strangers. Yeah. Women are crying, children are running. That's the alternative. So you got to really decide, do I have time to give this speech? And is it going to hit home? Or am I just going to be two words in and get the shit knocked out of me? Yeah. Am I going to change everybody's perspective on defending mm-hmm. yourself against birds? Right. Or. Well, if they would <laughs> Am I going to show everybody why you don't yeah, fight against birds? As I'm crying, you know, I've heard, have you seen, they have <laughs> teeth and Bite it's marks all over you. Um, I'll be, sh- sh- turn on camera, give me your phone. Yeah. Are you live streaming? Yeah. yeah. Why? Geese teeth yeah. marks My all family's over your shame. bare skin. Yeah, I can never leave the house again. Yeah. Eventually, I leave the house. I really again. wish I didn't know they had teeth now. Yeah, I told you, man. It's gonna make you me know more... how I knew about that. Puss in boots. I told you. Puss in boots. That's... That thing did that like <laughs> honk, and it was terrifying. I'm like, why does he have teeth in there, baby? Is that real? Yeah. My yeah, daughter's like, like, that's how they are, Dad. I'm like, Daddy's stupid. Hold on. I'm gonna go look something up. And she was right. <laughs> well, what are you gonna do though? You know, thank God we figured out these thumbs are key. That's I'm like, guess what? I can opposable thumbs are big, yeah. I, yeah, I just start swinging. I can't, you know, golf, but I can swing a club around like a madman and just yeah. stroke geese all day long. Not even tired. I a could kill fight. more geese with a golf club than those guys killed with machine guns. Do you think, like how people get bit by spiders and snakes to get anti-venom? Do you think people who raise geese just oh, get yeah. bit by them all the oh, time? Yeah. So they just, you slowly they're just not to it. Yeah. phased by it anymore? Right. Have you seen those those videos of people oh. doing that shit? Letting oh. venomous snakes bite them. Oh. Like spiders and stuff. Yeah, no. So they can build up the antibodies. It doesn't sound like it's like a medically controlled environment when they do that. To me, I don't know, but have you seen the, have you seen that video of that guy that it's like an Indian guy and he mm. slaps that cobra mm. and like hisses at him and mm. goes by him. So, it's hilarious. You gotta look what? it up. He's fine? Yeah, he smacked that cobra. It was like, oh shit, mm. sorry. See, I thought he it was smacked gonna, it dizzy. I'm so ready for like some kind of human victory over, you know, some nature. So I was like, what would the cobra do? Since he just iceberg slim backhanded it and <laughs> yeah. walked by, told you twice, you know? Yeah. He's then like, I'm like, uh, yeah. Uh, see, <laughs> I was feeling like you're going to say, then it, you know, took his wallet. <laughs> Don't be all boastful, you know, get your name on the utilities or live by my rules. <laughs> Pay some rent, right. asshole. You think I toss rats and. You ready for another crazy story? I am. You are? No. All right. So the next one I have is the Dancing Plague of 1518. The Dancing Plague of 1518 or the Dance Epidemic of 1518, as it's called. 
Easy. It was a case of dancing mania that occurred in Strasbourg, which is modern-day France, uh, in the Holy Roman Empire from July 1518 to September 1518. Somewhere between 50 and 400 people took to dancing for weeks Well, they like in modern-day France. Yeah. It all started, a woman steps out and starts mm. kind of loosely dancing. That's how it always starts. And it, it becomes contagious. Mm-hmm. And all these people start dancing. So what was the date? Uh, 1518. Mm. So July 1518 to September 1518. So it doesn't coincide with like James Brown dropping a sick album. Or no, it doesn't, dude. Get up, I wish that was the that. case. You had like bards at this time, yeah. you know, so people yeah, are playing I, I like, like mandolins. and. Sure. I like a bard as much as the next guy, but, you know, it's not James Brown. Yeah, it's more of a, <laughs> he's going to tell a story, you know. Yeah. It was an outbreak. They, they call it an outbreak. Historical documents, including physician notes, cathedral sermons, local and regional chronicles, and even notes issued by the Strasbourg City Council. It clear that the victims danced. It was not known why. Historical sources agree that there was an outbreak of dancing after a single woman started dancing. The dancing did not seem to die down. It lasted for such a long time that it even attracted the attention of Strasbourg magistrate and bishop. And some number of doctors ultimately intervened, putting the afflicted in a hospital. Hmm. There's similar events of this mm-hmm. that occurred throughout the me- medieval age and even the 11th century. This is a time where it's like, this lady cured me with uh, herb. She's a witch. So this was the time of like demonic possession and constricting religious views. At first, they were like, this has to be divine judgment or demonic possession. You know, and my mind, my mind went to James Brown, Soul Train, <laughs> possibly early MDMA and raves. I don't know. Yeah, a little Michael Jackson beat it. Oh, Thriller was sick. Yeah. There was, there was a case in, in Italy in the same time era. It says a woman was bitten by a tarantula, the, the venom making her dance convulsively. The only way to cure the bite was to shimmy and to have the right yeah. sort of music available, which Word. was accepted remedy by scholars. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, like 50 to 400 people start dancing. One of the reports I read state that their reaction to this was like, we have to let them do it, right? They, they're going to have to get it out of their system. So they employ... Just let the man groove. So they employ bards and musicians and all these people to come play at this at this location and they, they kind of hurt all these people that are doing all this crazy dancing in the streets and they're like, we're going to cure it by just letting them do it. It doesn't work. It just, they keep dancing. They dance for months. There's reports of people dying. There's reports that that's fake, that people didn't actually die from this. It seems, seems pretty crazy, right? So there's, there's another side of this story. It makes more sense to me than any of the other things. So I have a theory I want to see. They chalk it up to food poisoning, contamination in the food, and mm-hmm. like mold and moisture and shit like that. And so they got poisoned by ergots. Oh. Ergots are the foundation building block to LSD. And that would grow on grain or, or yeah so some form of grain or wheat they it's yeah kind of like or you know fermented kind of commonly moisture. on grains yeah, yeah. yeah. It's especially rye okay there's there's theories that the the rye bread was contaminated with mold and so, it was ergot and these people are just tripping lsd really hard the day started out it everybody's heading to the bakery get the loaves <laughs> head to the house and it turns into like a fish concert. Yeah, it's the plot of The Last of Us, but just everybody dances instead. One of the main theories here is that these people just went and tripped their balls off. 
for months and they just Remember kept they, eating the bread. Do they, do they live? Yeah, I'm I'm oh. pretty sure they live. There so there's I mean, if there's you, accounts you of buckled. Yeah. There's but it wasn't like a mass it wasn't lethal situation. No, it wasn't they're like just, they drink just, the Kool-Aid thing. Like eat the bread, you'll dance and die. Yeah. No, they these people there there's a lot of conflicting statements about this that people died and people lived and I mean I I would assume that some people probably would have died from dehydration or fatigue in the 1500s from dancing for 2 months. Right? Right. I would guess. July, October, so yeah, 3 months they people danced for 3 months. <laughs> Just kept eating trippy I mean, bread. That's a sick party. That's a pretty sick party, dude. There's there's like a lot of conflicting ideas here. And they're like, oh, that can't happen. Um, so they argue that it doesn't seem tenable. That, well, that it's unlikely that, that people poisoned by ergot would have danced for days at a time. So well, there, it, there, it so there was there was occurrences of this that were recorded in yeah. places that were connected to right. water to this location through water sources. Right. That's where I was gonna go with it. So yeah. So maybe it was they, water yeah, contaminant. Like they got they dropped some fungus laden or whatever bacteria laden food one time it's a that's our food source so as soon as i get done cutting a rug i'm gonna get a snack and get back at it but yeah. that same snack is like oh, here we are again yeah Woo. it kind of depends on what was in the water too i mean right. if it was enough to poison the bread with ergot itself so if it sped up the, the process water treatment and fda was a little looser back then, yeah so. we did yeah they're like, no, I'm sure you'll be fine. Have a sandwich and a glass of water. That'll help. So the other yeah. the other theory for this is like um, mass in, or stress induced hysteria or mass mm-hmm. stress induced hysteria. So these these places were mm-hmm. afflicted at this time with like famine oh, yeah. and hunger and all these things in in these locations that this was happening in. So sure, one of the very challenging lives. Yeah, one of the medical theories is is that they were. Just all under so much stress that when one person broke, it was a domino. Is that what's going on? And now? everybody <laughs> fucking snapped, right? That's what happened when COVID hit. Right. You never going to Walmart during yeah. COVID? No, I mean, barely. I, Mass I, induced I hysteria. Know. You're right. Everyone's emotional and angry, and nothing was. Not a ton of information to go off. Fear and like. Food insanity. was sold out, toilet paper was sold out. Mass induced hysteria was a real thing during COVID. Oh, yeah. But you know that like the chicken wings thing, toilet paper, a lot of odd like desperate manifestations of like fear and uh, isolation, wasn't it? Well, people thought that it, like the normal anonymities of of every day to day life was gonna just dissipate. The chicken wings and toilet paper and shit like that are the things that I love both products. The little the little but things, I, but right? But I didn't want to short the rest of humanity on them. I just didn't want to like. Rob uh, chicken wings and toilet paper from my fellow man. Over. I was always too late to get there. I was, I'm oh. not gonna lie, dude. I was afraid when COVID happened. So, you know, two years later, when we have more information, you're like, okay, that seems like it a. It seemed like a bit of an overreaction. Yeah, but you can't say that then, you know. No, because then but we the didn't guys know what who the did fuck say it then, was going on. Yeah, the guys who did say it then had like that buffalo hat on and they're screaming. Yeah. And, you know, in the street, yeah. you're like, uh, you know what? I don't even like him on Tuesdays before this. <laughs> yeah. He's kind of a, a whole deal. I don't have time for. Yeah, I definitely never wanted to be yeah. back. Everyone's got an agenda. I have, oh, sure, I have high risk people oh. in my family. Sure, about you know, me. and I was like, I don't, I don't want to take this shit to them. I hundred percent did too. All the high risks, I took it to them unintentionally. It was a beating. Just the reaction to it didn't. You know, obviously, it's easy for me to say now. We don't, we yeah. don't know. But yeah, the first few weeks, you're like, I don't know what this is gonna be like. Yeah, when I finally got COVID too, I was terrified at first. Were you good? Yeah, I was fine. I I mean, it kicked my ass, but I was fine. I didn't lose my smell. Oh, I did. Or my sense of taste. I put hot sauce on everything. Yeah. (laughs) How did it feel? Like, respiratory-wise, 
you know, and I, and I was a smoker, but I would cough a little bit, you know, 20 I, minutes yeah. a day hard. At the same but time. I would take a shower and I'm like, well, that's what I'm doing today. Yeah. It's like, I, I just had no juice, man. <clears throat> My mojo was gone. I had no. There were people like left and right dropping out mm -hmm. for COVID. We didn't even know what it was like at the time that it reached us in the mm -hmm. middle of the country. It was yeah. like you can get pink eye. Oh yeah. And then once I got it, it was it was definitely not something I would want to give to my parents, but not something that I felt like I should have been as afraid of. No, and I went the other way. But that's but that's circumstantial. So COVID was always you can either be really really bad, uh -huh. mediocre, or uh -huh. you you're just a carrier. I had a rough round of it. I guess it'd be in December and January. I'm like, I'll take the beat, whatever. Like, I remember, you know, I was sweating. I ran the fevers and everything. And like, I, the whole time, whatever, you know, I don't know how many variants there are, but the one I remember, I'm like, oh, yeah. All right. All right. Fair. All right. You know, and I remember elderly people in my family saying they're the same way. And they're like, nah, we're going to be fine. And he's like, oh, nope, nope. Yeah. Wish I would have done that uh, vaccine. I'm pretty sure I'm dying. It wasn't this past New Year's, but the one prior to it was when I got it. I was actually quarantined on New Year's. That would have been me. That's the yeah. same time. I think I got it right <laughs> before Christmas and I was still quarantined until through Yeah, actually, uh, my first positive test was like two days before New Year's. Mm -hmm. And I spent New Year's quarantined. Did you, you think you got it again? I don't, I never tested positive, but I do think I had it again. Yeah, I got it. Well, I don't know what I got again. My kids tested positive and then I felt like a bag of shit. Yeah. But it wasn't like, it was like cold. It was that time in January, December, yeah, I was, was taking uh, a beating from like the champ. First one was like, I got, I got thumped in the schoolyard. I think I, so I think I caught one variant early and then the second time was more aggressive. That's because you didn't get boosted, bro. <laughs> There's a part of me that thinks it was the flu. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, Everybody had well, a flu. but I'm not here you to argue any, test yeah, results. No. You know what I mean? Anybody taking that true flu ass kicking? At this point, they just shut it. They're like, mm, I probably have some. Yeah, it's, and the flu is the only thing that ever kicks was my it, ass. Uh, like congestive that. heart failure? It wasn't flu. It was that or COVID. That's it. I don't take away from anybody who had, who who lost family members or anything like no. that by any means, but I don't, I don't know that, for me, it wasn't that much different than a badass flu, yeah. you know? That's a good beating, but yeah. For, in everybody's experience, especially from what the symptom charts were at the time, uh -huh. is wildly different. Pink eye from... COVID seems that, that when that popped uh, up as a symptom, I was like, hold the phone, dude. What do we, you know, wash your hands. Don't I got part, one part more. People's pillows. I got one more good story for you. So I asked you earlier if you knew what Waterloo teeth were. Yeah, I do not. I'd like to. So, well, I think for me, this is the most bizarre story I read today. The evolution of dentures. So in 1815, a battle of Waterloo took okay. place okay. and it was, it was where the, the Napoleon Wars ended. So Napoleon was finally defeated in 1815, was taken captive, uh, lived the last six years of his life in captivity on an island. In this battle of 1815, uh, upwards of like 50,000 soldiers died. So at this time, orthodontists were creating full ivory teeth. It's like piano springs attached to them. It's crazy, dude. Where did the springs go in? So they went on either side of your dentures. Uh, they just tension between yeah, them? Yeah, tension springs okay. for your dentures. Okay. They went in your mouth. These big springs that attach your dentures together went in your mouth. So they decided they were going to start making dentures out of real teeth. Oh, no. 
So it's got to be easier. Yeah. You're not carving so, ivory down, but I don't like the So scavengers and uh, looters and stuff like that, they would go out and collect teeth from all the soldiers who died. They'd string them up in pairs. Mm-hmm. You know like what I mean? Like these teeth mm-hmm. all go together. These top oh. teeth all go together. These, these bottom teeth set? all go together. This yeah. is a matching set of teeth. And they would matching. go and they would sell them to orthodontists. Mm. And these orthodontists would then carve the, the plates out of ivory. And they would file down the teeth. They developed ways to fit yeah. them into the ivory plates. So they didn't get to pull molars and stuff either. So these dentures were made. Just like, the front. Yeah, it was cosmetic. There's there's actually paintings of them pulling teeth out of the poor people. Oh, no. To, I want to see what they look like. I want to see the finished They looked product. horrible. Oh, okay. They looked horrible. I looked at photos of these, these dentures they made. So it wasn't like then. you... After you got this set, you strolled out on your balcony. You did and it the first. Poor masses below. You pulled not, all the teeth. Yeah, <laughs> six hundred cheering souls below me. Four teeth. They all look like rusty drywall screws. And I got these sweet veneers, man. Looks like I'm yeah. ready for like housewives of Atlanta. You know, yeah. doesn't even look like I can eat with them comfortably. <clears throat> so real quick, I write man? another bullet point in my notes here. All right. So in 1815, Battle of Waterloo happened. Napoleon was defeated. He's captured. He goes, they, they exile him. He lived his last six years of his life on an island. Had really high levels of arsenic in his blood and, and his hair follicles. They chalk it up to that was kind of occupational hazard of just being a person because glues, yeah, things right. like that, high levels yeah, of arsenic drinking also. water from lead pipes. And... Yeah, so arsenic was a pretty common thing to ingest at the time. Well, so they used it for everything, didn't they? I mean, it was... It was in a lot. Well, that and mercury. I guess mercury was the one I was thinking of, too. Yeah. With Napoleon, you always see these pictures of him as this little kind of frumpy, dumpy, yeah. you know, fat little yeah. dork. Kind of tiny guy. Yeah. Doesn't look like he has, like... Posture. And then, yeah, and, and then I, like I found a neat article where it had his a bronze death, death mask. His face, he looks like a middle linebacker in the NFL. This is not yeah. the same portrait of the guy I saw. That's yeah. Brian Urlacher's skull. Yeah, he you wasn't. I mean? That's Kamaru Usman. That is <laughs> not Napoleon. This picture? Yeah. Okay, there's... Yeah. yeah there's... Dumpty is that... Dude. That same man's, I guess, jawline and musculature. He looks like welterweight champion there. And that guy, he looks like me. Yeah. So in 1821, he dies. Yeah. The doctor that performed his autopsy cut his penis off. This says it was a, his, you know, allegedly legacy, amputated yeah. during an autopsy short after Napoleon's death. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Since then, it has been passed through several owners including A.S.W. Rosenbach, who exhibited it in New York City in 1927. It was purchased by John K. Latimer in 1977 and is still held in his family. He keeps it as a private item. It was described as similar to a piece of leather or shriveled eel. That's like Einstein's brain being stolen, but Napoleon's dick was removed and handed down. Listen, I mean, I used to collect baseball cards. I don't know. If it's like that, but it, it didn't feel like that. You know? <laughs> I just imagine like, Hey dad, can I have your old <laughs> Nolan Ryan autograph rookie? I just imagine. No. Yeah. Like right now better. there's a guy that's got like Lincoln's testicles. I wish dad collected arrowheads, you know, <laughs> coins, stamps, something. I just, he's just, he's just passing around these old dried up pieces. And we don't care. <laughs> just, you know, why can't dad collect something normal? Come on. It's neat, Dad. Just get away from us. Who cuts dicks off during an autopsy? Um, I went to a couple, and that was not part of the procedure that I saw. God but damn, I don't know if they an were autopsy. Yeah, but Ooh. I don't know if they were like uh, sugarcoating it for me. You know, this is Sam and Sunny. This has been the fundamentals of nonsense, and thank you.